Matthew, the 18th chapter, we have been studying throughout the course of this spring matters pertaining to victorious Christian living, and we have come to a section or a portion of that study where we're looking at some of the teachings of Jesus Christ with regard to personal and practical righteousness. Some people aren't as concerned as others about what Jesus had to say. The uh, liberals have just sort of turned Jesus into a fairy tale. They've, they've put him in the same category with, with uh, you know, the tooth fairy and Easter bunny and, and that sort of thing. We believe Jesus Christ is just exactly who the Bible says he was. He's the Son of God, came manifest in the flesh to this earth, lived a sinless life, died and was buried and rose again. We believe that. All of a heart, uh, but then there's then there's other people, and and they 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 believe everything the Bible says about Jesus. They just don't think it's important. They they would rather worship Paul than worship right. Jesus, and they they make more of the Lord's apostle than they do the Lord Himself. But here's what Paul had to say in First Timothy six: If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and of the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing. So Paul said anybody won't listen to what Jesus had to say, they don't know anything, and you shouldn't pay attention, pay attention to them. And then Paul said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul won't set you apart from sin, Jesus will. Paul won't sanctify you from the world. Jesus will. That's that's what that's what Paul said. So so we want to we want to keep things in their context. We understand that what Jesus taught in in Matthew has a certain uh, Jewish emphasis and appeal, and from that some people have assumed that before the cross Jesus just appealed to the Jews. But they they say that as though Mark and Luke and John weren't in the Bible, as though all that we had of Jesus was in in Matthew. Nevertheless. These words of the Lord, to whomever they were originally spoken, are true words. And the application of those words has not changed from that day to this, nor, nor shall they ever change. And the Bible says in Matthew 18, verse 1, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, of all of, of all time inappropriate questions, that's number one. Of all time dummy things to say, that's on the top of the list. Hey, just a little hint. That would be Jesus. Why would you be asking Jesus who's the greatest person in the room when Jesus is in the room? You got to admit that says more about human nature than anything else you could ever read. And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, which must have really disappointed all those that were sure it's going to be me. And he just looked right past all of the disciples and, and grabs this kid and said, "Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted." So he says, "None of you guys are even saved." <laughs> How, how could you be great in the kingdom when you're not even going to get there in the condition you're in right now? Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, 
The same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Father, help us this morning. We've read the truth and now we're going to discuss the truth. And while we're doing so, we're going to consider and ponder the truth. And God, would you please, would you please help us to receive the truth. We'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that old pride runs deep. Everybody in this room is not a murderer, thank God. I hope nobody is. Everybody in this room is not an adulterer, adulteress, thank God. I hope nobody is. Everybody in this room is not a thief. I, I hope nobody is. But there's not a person here that can stand up and say, Bless God, I don't have any pride. Because you do. And I do. And the fact that you don't think you do, uh, if, if you should think that you don't have any pride, well, shame on you. Because you do. And the fact that you don't think you have any is something you're proud of. <laughs> now, here are men who've wrought no miracles asking the miracle worker. Here are men who have performed no wonders asking the wonder worker. Here are men who have watched as Jesus raised people from the dead, but have raised no one from the dead, asking Jesus which one of them is the greatest. In heaven, every knee bows to Jesus Christ. It's a mutual understanding. Every tongue says, Thou alone art worthy it's mutually understood. Down here, it's, it doesn't seem to be a mutual understanding. It doesn't even seem to be an understanding that Jesus Christ alone is worthy of praise and worthy of honor and worthy of glory and worthy of adoration that everyone else is a sinner continually coming short of his glory. But these men, like any other group of men or women, are always concerned about which one of us is better than the others. Which one of us has the more praiseworthy family? Which one of us does the more praiseworthy deeds for God? Which one of us has the more pat-on-the-back-worthy activities in our lives and all of that shows that our thinking and our 
and our reasoning and our vision is horizontal, not vertical. We continue to be occupied with what others are doing and what others are thinking and how we stack up next to others and how we rate compared to others. And and this very question shows that they still weren't concerned with Jesus. They were concerned with what Jesus could give them. And what we see from the Lord's answer is that the virtue that is most desired by God Is not an ability to preach or win souls or give money or travel to a mission field or build a church or have a, have a wonderful family or, or sing pretty songs. It's humility. He said, greatness, you want to see greatness? I'll show you greatness. Come here, little boy. Look at this child. No ego. Look at this child, no competition, no striving for superiority, no, no craving. The applause and, and the glories of uh, Jesus, that's what I'm looking for right there. If I had my way, everybody in my kingdom, everybody under my governing authority would be just like that child. And so the virtue the Lord desires most, we have to admit, is the one that's the least often found, even among those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. With the Son of God present working miracles right before their eyes, they look at each other and contemplate some opportunity to brag about being better than the the people they're serving with, the people they're laboring with. Think of people in church singing hymns about the creation, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus Christ while imagining themselves the most important one in the room. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Think about a person standing up to sing a song about Jesus rising from the dead and then being disappointed when they don't get applause or praise for their performance. When you put the two side by side, it's it's shameful. Well, you know, I've served in this church for 15 years. I never got any recognition. Why would a church give you recognition or me recognition when we have a risen Savior who's the King of kings and Lord of lords? We recognize Him. And it's so hard for people because if they come to church and the... And the, the you know, we're going to have a corsage for this and a, and a ribbon for that and a, and a prize for the other and a free dinner for something else because, I mean, after all, people need to look at me. People need to honor me. And Jesus just sitting there scratching his head, these are my disciples. I'm going to leave here in, in a year and a half and go back to heaven and it's going to be up to these guys? And you know what, 2,000 years later, you can almost see him sitting on the throne still scratching his head. They're just not getting it, Father. They're just not getting it. They're still down there bragging on what they did for me. They're, they're still down there wanting some kind of reward for giving 10% of their measly income. They they want me to come make them rich because they gave me 20 bucks last week. 
You know, it's great to serve the Lord, but He's the Lord. And it's great to do something for God, but He's God. Why should I get anything for serving Him? It's Him. Hard for people to understand that. The Lord of glory is right in front of these men, and they saw Him only as someone who would give them praise and caused them to be exalted. It's so horrible, but it's so common. And so Jesus said, Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Now you couldn't, you couldn't ignore the rest of the scripture and make this a plan of salvation. He's not saying if you're nice to a child, you get eternal life. It's the same as receiving Jesus as your Savior. That's, that's not what he's saying. What Jesus is teaching is that no one can love him while despising the ones he loves. Man, we got a lot of that. No one can be his friend while doing harm to those so near to his heart. And whenever I... Come on, look look, look at this pride thing. Whenever I want to be exalted for me, the only way for me to be exalted for me is for you to be pushed down. So I I can't rise up without... At the same time, pushing you down, and the Lord's not interested in exalting one of us and demoting one of us and, and, and giving glory to one of us and shaming another of us. He's interested in bringing all of us in a unity and all of us in a common bond to the place where we see Him as worthy of all of our praise and, and all of our delight. Many boast of loving Jesus, but they treat his children and his church shamefully. And the Lord said, that's that's not what I'm looking for. And so he goes on to say this. These These are probably as severe as any words Jesus ever said. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. That's that's rough. Now, back in the the day, this way back in old time, you used to have to grow wheat, harvest wheat, separate the, the kernels from the chaff, and then... Make flour and bake bread. That's, that's where bread used to come from. Now it comes from a truck in a store. <laughs> Same process, you just don't ever see it. But back in the day, they had these, these huge stones, round stones, and a hole in the middle of it, and a, and a uh, pole would go through the, through the hole, and they'd, they'd harness up an animal, and that animal would walk around in a circle, and that big stone would come and crush that grain. A millstone, a big, huge, heavy thing. Take a take a a, a a donkey and a yoke to push that thing. I remember Samson after they put his eyes out, that big strong man. They set him grinding at the at the mill. He'd push that wheel around. You know what the Lord said? Take that big giant stone weighing hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Put a rope through it. Put the other get the other end of the rope tied around your neck and jump off a bridge. 
You'd be better off doing that than offending one little one that believes in me. That's what he said. Now, if I said that, you'd say I'm some kind of extreme, crazy person. But that's what Jesus said. Far too often, we make light of careless words or careless deeds or sins done against children of God. Jesus doesn't make light of them. Not at all. I'm certain none of us views our transgressions in the same way Jesus views them. He said, I would be better off dead than offending you. And you'd be better off dead than offending me. We don't take it that seriously. But Jesus does. Let me see. I can say something rude or I can jump off a bridge. Jesus said jump. I could do something hurtful, or I could tie a cement blocker on myself and I can go for a swim. Jesus said, take the swim. Now, what are things we, what do we make of these things that we do that cause others to turn away from the Lord? Lose his love for the church. Lose respect for those preaching the word of God. Christ is actually saying His good name and the hearts of His people are more important than our very lives. I don't know that we agree with the Lord. I'm just... I'm saying we would, we would nod our heads. We would say, oh, oh, the Bible. Yeah, the Bible's right. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is the truth. I believe what Jesus said. We don't really... None of us would view hurting another as a death-worthy offense, but Jesus does. We're so careless with the things we say. We're so careless and flippant and about, well, you know, they're just supposed to get over it. They just need to get over it. Well, you know, a lot of people don't get over it. It shouldn't be there to get over. Now we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in just a second. I, I, I came home from uh, traveling this week and learned that, that uh, somebody had lost some money around here. And it's, you know, it's a bigger deal to, to some than to others. It's more important to some than others. But uh, look, I mean... Th- People steal garbage bags out of the kitchen. People steal food out of the refrigerator. You can't have you can't have several hundred people meeting together in one place and it not well. You're all supposed to be Christians. Yeah, we're all supposed to be Christians. Well, I'd never do that. Yeah, well, what'd you watch this week? You want to stand up here and tell us what you watched this week? What'd you listen to this week? Some of you get embarrassed to death when your phone goes off. You don't want people to know what kind of music you use for your ringtone. And everybody got something going on in their life. But, but listen, suppose, just suppose this morning, I'm, I'm not, I don't know who did what, I don't know what was done. I, here, here's, here's all I know. There's a boy here last week who was washing cars to go on a mission trip. And while I was doing that, somebody took some money out of his wallet. 
that was left lying on the, on the pew. And I don't know who did it. I don't know why they did it. I don't, don't, I don't know any of that. I don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. But that young man, when he's 65 years old, will remember that while I was washing cars at church to go on a mission trip, somebody in that church took my money. Now, he may shake it off. He may take the advice of mom and dad and the counsel of his youth pastor and go on and serve God and love God the rest of his life. But what if somebody put in his heart that Christians are crooks and church people are good for nothing? And then no matter where you go, somebody's going to rip you. Do, you. do you really? And I'm not saying anybody here did it. could have been the tooth fairy came and instead of taking the tooth and leaving the money, took the money and, and left the tooth. I don't, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. But what if for 11 lousy bucks, somebody turned the heart of a child against church and Jesus Christ? You would be better off to have taken your life than to have taken that money. Listen, there's not a, there's not a child here old enough to comprehend what's going on that doesn't know their preacher and their Bible and their Sunday school teacher and their Savior and their God have taught that a husband is to love his wife. When you go home from those church services and Sunday school lessons and yell at your wife and cuss your wife and abuse your wife and mistreat your wife, when your children grow up to mock and ridicule the preaching of the Word of God, I'm telling you, you'd be better off dead than turning your children against the truth of the Word of God. There's not, there's not a girl, there's not a girl six years old, seven years old, eight years old, nine years old in our Sunday school that doesn't know what the Bible says is to be a wife's attitude and actions toward her husband. She knows the Bible says it. She knows the preacher says it. She knows the Sunday school teacher says it. She knows God's church says it and teaches it. And when that woman goes home and will not love her husband, will not submit herself to her husband, will not conduct herself as a Christian woman, she is, she is offending her own daughters against Jesus Christ. And they might grow up, stay in church and live for the Lord. Or they might just decide to run off if the first fellow comes along. And Jesus said, you'd be better off dead than taking that little child that I wanted to give a blessed life. And that little boy, I wanted to give a You'd be better off. You'd be better off jumping off a bridge than turning them against Jesus Christ. I got, we got back this week and, and you turn on the phone, which wouldn't have phone service for a week. I, I think I mentioned that. And, and here, beep, 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 here comes all, here comes all the phone calls and all the emails and all the voice messages and everything else. And this man used to arrange meetings for me to go and preach. 
He, he, he worked with pastors and preachers and churches and, and rent buildings and everything else. And I'd go preach these meetings. He'd drive me around. He'd buy me lunch. He'd take me to, to bookstores and just, just do everything in the world for me. But that, that fellow and his wife, they, they, they had a habit. They just, they just loved to criticize preachers. They just loved to find fault with churches. And if, that, if a church did 999 things right and one thing wrong, well, they'd, just, they'd run that church in the ground, talk about how wrong it was, how awful it was. Well, before long, every preacher's bad, every church is bad. Every, so, so they're out of church. And before long, they're out of marriage. And before long, their kids are out of anything to do with Christianity. And yesterday, that man and, and woman who are no longer married, but they met, and they met for a funeral service of their little girl who died of a heroin overdose. That's a long way to go from Sunday school. That's a long way to go from youth meetings. And you know something? I'm t- listen, I'm telling you right now. If that man has one shred of conscience left in him, he said at that funeral yesterday and would rather have been dead. Yeah. He would rather have put a millstone around his neck and thrown himself in a river than to have turned his little girl against Jesus Christ and preachers. But you can't go back once you've done those things. You know what the Lord said? Don't do them. Don't do them. If that preacher says something you don't like, you go home and you talk about all the things he said that you do like. Some of that church didn't go to suit you. You go home and talk about all things in that church that did suit you. I'm telling you something. The devil's going to help your kids find fault with preachers. The devil's going to help your kids find fault with church. The devil's going to help your kids find fault with church people. Don't help him destroy your kids. Well, I don't like the way they did that. Well, guess what? You don't do everything right either. But you sit at that lunch table after you took your kids to church and undermine everything that was said and undermine what was done and cut the legs out from under that preacher. You, hey, you don't sit at that table and talk about bartenders. You don't sit at that table and talk about drug dealers. You don't sit at that table and talk about naked women walking up and down the streets. Why are you turning your kids against the only hope they've got of getting through this life right? Well, sit in that house and criticize the preacher. Sit in that house and criticize a quarterback. Criticize the president. He's done more wrong than your preacher has. (laughs) You know, talk somebody down. Imagine that. Get up, get up. We've got to go to church. Get the kids up. Take them down to Sunday school. Listen, the kids, the kids don't come home on Monday and say, well, those school teachers, you don't have to listen to those school teachers. Those school teachers don't know everything. Yeah. Send them to school teachers' evolution and don't criticize the teacher. Bring them to Sunday school where they, where they teach the Word of God in the Bible, go home and criticize Sunday school teacher and his wife. Right. You, are right. you better cut that out. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a mother, there's a mother stood yesterday with tears running down her face and looking in a casket at her little girl. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know how far gone people are. I don't know how, 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 to what extent people justify their actions. 
But how do you look in the face of that little girl and something, something not come back to your mind? Would to God I'd stayed in church. Would to God I'd stayed under the preaching of the Bible. A lot of things go wrong in church. Kids don't sit in the pews and stick needles between their toes and shoot heroin in their bodies. Maybe that's the crowd you should have been criticizing. Maybe that's the people you should have been speaking against instead of the pastor. I don't want to live in such a way as to one day look at a little boy or a little girl grown into a reprobate. Grown into a savage and say, I contributed to that. I played a part in that. God forbid one little boy grow up in this church and end up a drunkard because he saw me one time with a beer in my hand. Well, I don't see anything wrong with it. No, you don't, but you need to start. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It ain't you that's, that we're interested in right now. We're interested in everybody else. What about the person who knows you're a Christian and sees you do something and figures it must be okay if that, if that person's doing it, it must be okay to do it? So, you know, the, the lot of states now, they're legalizing marijuana. Yeah, that's, that's what we need. We just need pastors and church people who say, well, a pastor wouldn't smoke marijuana. You don't go to weddings and watch the preachers drink at the receptions? You don't think they'll be smoking pot as soon as it's legal? Why wouldn't they? One lust the flesh do just as well as the other. Say, well, you know, it's just a little, it's a special occasion. That ain't what the kids looking at you are thinking. All the kids looking at you are thinking is, well, it must be okay to do it. The preacher's doing it. So, sir, you don't yell at your wife. And, sister, you don't backtalk your husband. Why? Because what you're teaching your children, they just might take it farther than you're taking it. You go home and have a preacher for lunch every Sunday. Don't be surprised those kids lose all respect for what's being said from the pulpit. Why wouldn't they? Well, we better move on from that. People came here to have a good time this morning. (laughs) Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. So it's not possible for anyone to live without someone doing something which hurts them. We get that. The response to offenses is not under discussion here. The fact is, the Lord Jesus warns the entire world of the great woe that will befall it because of their frequent mistreatment of their neighbors, their friends, their brothers. He obviously takes this matter more serious than we do. He said, woe unto the world. I'm going to send 21 tribulation judgments upon this world because I'm tired of you offending each other. I'm going to give you some millstone treatment. But then he narrows it down. It must, woe the world, because the fences, it must need be the fences come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Now see this? 
The focus is narrowed from the world to the individual. I cannot prevent offenses in this world. Jesus didn't tell me to. But he said, what about you? What about you? What about you? What about you? You can't make the world stop offending, but you can make you stop offending. You can't make the world be nice to the world, but you can be nice to the world. You can't make the world treat others with kindness and respect and decency, but you can treat others with kindness and respect and decency. And so Jesus says, you know, I got something to say to the world, but right now I'm talking to you. He's got this group of disciples gathered around him, and they're all wanting to be the greatest, right? Which means John doesn't think Peter's the greatest. He just wants the Lord to let Peter know it. And Thomas doesn't think Bartholomew's the greatest. He just wants Jesus to let Bartholomew know. This guy's a whole lot better than you. And you know, you say what you want. But our churches are full of people who just, just want to be sure that everybody recognizes they really are the better Christian. And that everybody understands that my family really is better than your family. And, and, and the way I raise my kids really is superior to how you raise yours. And the ministry I'm involved in is really more important than the one you're involved in. And I just, I just need you to know that. And Jesus said, that's offensive to everybody but you. And woe. Woe. Because those offenses. To what extent? Well, read, read the passage. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off. Now, if both hands offend you, you're going to have to get some help. But it's... <laughs> But if you're that offensive, I'm sure you can find somebody that that would help you. (laughs) It is better for the... Now, look, this is... you got to believe there's a life beyond this one. It is better for thee to enter the life halter maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Now, the poor Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they've been taught that there's no hell, hell's just the grave. Why would Jesus tell you to cut your foot off to keep you from going somewhere you're going to go to anyway? Isn't that kind of silly? You know, if, if, if walking wrong is going to end you up in hell, cut off your feet so you can't walk that way. Well, you're still going to the grave. There's got to be something beyond this life to be avoided that is so terrible that you'd be better off going through life maimed. And going to a place where there's no sickness, sorrow, pain, and death. Than going through life with your body whole and intact and waking up in that place called hell. It's got to be real. It's got to be terrible. Or Jesus wouldn't have given such, such stern warnings. Serious warnings. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. <laughs> I mean, don't just pluck it out. After you've plucked it out, throw it as far as you can to make sure it doesn't pop back in. Jeff Parrish used to do that, man. He's in, he's in our second grade class at Faulkner Elementary. We, come on, we're seven years old. We didn't know what a glass eye was. 
He'd say, watch this, and he'd put his finger in there and pop his eyeball out. Then take the rest of your lunch, because who could eat after that? <laughs> Let me tell you something. You see that? You see that? It'll stick with you. I... <laughs> Remember it well. Thine <laughs> I offend thee, pluck it out, cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes be cast into hell fire. Isn't that intense? Now, we, we're not going to dwell on eternal torment and hell and all that here, but if you're not saved, that's, that's what Jesus made it pretty clear. There's a place you don't want to go. What's important for this discussion is the truth of how angry it makes God when we carelessly harm the hearts and minds and lives of those He loves. If we saw a man lopping the foot off another human being, wouldn't we think that man was a monster? Can you, can you read these reports of what Islam is doing around the world and not be shocked by them? I hope we're not that, that desensitized. When we read in the Bible and Nebuchadnezzar putting out the eyes of the king of Judah, we, we shudder. That's a horrible thing. Yet the Lord would have us to see that offending the weak, the young, the helpless, the vulnerable is an equally gross atrocity in his eyes. Look, if he said, cut off a foot rather than offend, pluck out an eye rather than offend, we should be as unwilling to hurt someone emotionally or spiritually as we would be to chop off parts of their body. That's what Jesus said. We don't see it that way. I'm telling you, we don't see it that way. But we should. We're supposed to. For you harm that child, would you hit him in the head with a baseball bat? Oh, are you kidding? Oh, what do you think I am? Some kind of sicko? Well, why are you turning them against the Bible? God says just as bad. Look at that! Look at that woman! Would you? Would you? Would you take a chainsaw and cut her leg off? Well, what do you think I'm? Some kind of monster? Well, why are you gossiping and destroying her behind her back? See, we don't we don't put them on par because we don't think biblically. But Jesus put them on. In fact, in fact, he made offending worse than maiming. It's amazing. If a little child were near, we'd be careful about swinging an axe. If we were a crowd of people, we, I hope, would not likely be thrusting a knife about at eye level. But boy, we just let those words fly. You say, careful, 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 careful with that knife. Careful, careful, careful with that gun. Careful. When's the last time you heard somebody say, careful, careful with that tongue? Careful with that mouth. Put that thing back in the holster. (laughs) It's loaded. It's liable to go off at any time. You know what Jesus said? We should recognize this ability to speak 
is the ability to greatly bless or greatly damage. And we should be as concerned about harming someone with our words as we would be harming them with any other weapon. I don't believe we see it that way. But we should. We act in ways inconsistent with the love of Christ and the grace of God with little thought for their possible effect on others. It's for this reason the Lord speaks so sharply in this passage. Now think about something. I I, I talked about the, the parents and the child and that sort of thing. We should all love each other as much as we love any other, okay? It should, it should be, you know, it shouldn't be, well, I, I like him a little and I don't like her at all and he's okay, but she's not so much. And Come on, Jesus Christ, is, is, he's not like that, we know that. And while we're not like the Lord, we should, we should try to be, but let's just be honest for the moment, be, be reasonable, Let's say you as a Christian have had some interactions with, I don't know, let's, let's, let's pick somebody. Jake, come here, come here, Jason. He didn't shave this morning, so we'll pick on him. <laughs> let's, say, let's say that, you know, he did a couple of things. When you first start coming to church here, he's kind of rude to you and he ignored you. And you just, you just look, you're not against him. <laughs> You don't, you don't dislike him, but, well, but you just don't want anything to do with him. I mean, you're not going to try to hurt him or mess him up or anything. You just don't like him. You don't care for him. Okay. But, but you can't leave it at that. Because if you don't like him, you don't really want anybody else to like him. And so you've got to say to this man, yeah, you know, that, 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 that Jay Hill fellow, that, you know, the guy that kind of got, got, got beard thing started and all he, I just tell you, I just, I don't know about you, I just don't like him. And he hears you say that. And he doesn't, you know, he's not going to get in your face about it, but now he doesn't like you. And for long, there's seven or eight people that don't like him because you don't like him, and they like you, and you're a cool guy, and you know, you, they want to be your friend because you've got a little cash and you buy lunch now and then, and. You know, that sort of thing. And, and so he's told his friends, you know, I used to be real good friends with so-and-so, but then that guy, he said some stuff about me, and now they don't talk to me. And went, you, know, you know, fifth grade stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It goes on in church all the time. But finally, finally, he and his wife, it just, it's a preacher, you know, we're just feeling led of the Lord to leave. And God has got nothing to do with it. They're just tired of all the strife and all the conflict and people shaking their hands saying good to see you when they hate their guts and, you know, Christians. And so they feel led of the Lord to leave and they do. And they get in a church that doesn't really preach the Bible anymore and so they start cutting some corners here and cutting some corners there. And pretty soon they're the best Christians in the worst church in town and think they're really spiritual because they're better than all the people shacking up and, and you know doing drugs and everything to go to church with. But they got two kids. And instead of those kids growing up here, they're growing up there. And then they're going to get married to people far different to people they would have married if they grew up here. And they're going to have kids. And then those grandkids are going to be worse than... Okay, thanks, brother. Look, here's what I'm telling you. (laughs) 
you're offending this man, takes his children out of the race and takes his grandchildren out of the race. And you do that often enough, your country ends up like it is right now. With all these grandparents who have kids who won't go to church and grandkids who make fun of God. And none of that comes about as a result of modern versions and, and doctrinal statements gone awry. It comes about through offenses. It comes about through people not trying hard enough to treat each other right. And not caring enough. Well, it's just feelings. We're not supposed to be here for feelings. Oh, stop that. Because you quit talking like that as soon as your feelings are hurt. Everybody's got feelings. <laughs> Some hide them different, bury them different, wear them different, act different. But nobody wants to be gossiped about. Nobody wants to be lied about. Nobody wants to be, be, be ridiculed and mocked. And Come on. You know that. And so Jesus said, I want you to stop swinging that tongue and chopping people with it. And I want you to stop just trampling over people with how you want to do things and how you see things and with your pride and never looking back to seeing the mess you've made out of it. Because when somebody is offended, they usually don't take it well. I don't, do you? Okay, and when they don't take it well, they end up avoiding the people or the place where they're offended, right? Well, if our life centers around church, guess where they're going to start avoiding? Church and church people. So now guess who their children are growing up with? People aren't in church. And where are they going to end up? Bars, nightclubs, dance halls, <clears throat> divorce courts, funeral homes. And Jesus said, instead of you coming in here trying to prove to everybody you're better, why don't you come in here and let everybody else be better? How did the conversation start? Which one of us is the greatest? And how did it end? Well, Jesus is saying, here's some options for you. Pull out your eye, cut off your foot, or drown yourself. <laughs> Come on, isn't that, that's shocking. Well, you know, I just want to do what Jesus said. Good, go jump off a bridge. <laughs> well, I just want to follow the words of the Lord. Well, here's an axe. <laughs> Put your hand out. <laughs> That's how serious Jesus is about how we should treat one another. And it's, it's easy enough to offend someone when you're not trying. But if you're just setting out to be offensive, it's going to happen. And this idea, well, I don't care, they just need to get over it. You don't get over it. Why would you expect everybody else to get over it? So here's, here's how I concluded. Take heed 
that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now that last phrase about the angels and the Father and the face and all that, you know what that means? Neither does anybody else. (laughs) There's nobody living knows what that means. But I'll tell you the part I do understand. It's not us to us to pick and choose whom we are going to treat properly. Jesus said, I don't want one, not one, little one who believes on me to be offended by any of you. May the Lord help us to be as careful with our words and our attitudes as we would be with a loaded gun or an axe or a knife or a flamethrower. <laughs> That's where you point that thing. <laughs> now, I, I'd like, I, I don't know if they still have them anymore, but I remember when I was a boy, that was the coolest thing in those World War II movies. That flamethrower, man, and out that thing. That's pretty cool. But I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of it. And you know what? It's a blessed thing to be able to talk. But sometimes it's not so good to be on the receiving end of it. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Well, the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little tongue, what you say. Let's not be the source of offense. Let's make certain that we're as careful with our actions toward others regarding speech, regarding attitude, regarding emotion, all those things, as we would be with a deadly weapon. That's what Jesus taught. God help us. And that's not just at church, that's at home. That's at home. 